Happy Monday. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Reclamation Church podcast. My name is John. I serve as the youth director here at Reclamation Church in Plano, Texas. And I'm very excited that you guys are here with us today because we're actually starting a new series called True Worship. And we're going to be hearing from our senior pastor here, Tom Wilson, as we start this new series. I'm very excited about it because it's going to talk about some misconceptions we have about worshiping and how we can worship in our day-to-day life. If this is your first time hearing about Reclamation Church, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, re.church, or you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at re.churchplano. That being said, guys, let's listen in. That good, huh? That's awesome. Like the weekend I've had. Uh, hey, listen, I'm going to warn you guys, I'm going in about two hours of sleep, so I'm either going to go really short or you're going to be here for a while, so you want to start saying your prayers now. Um, you know, one of the cool things about being able to come up here and preach, one of the benefits for me is I get to take off the mask and then breathe air and then come up here, and uh, you'll appreciate this. This morning, I got the wrong mask, and I had my Batman mask, uh, my Batman mask. Uh, but I'm not that guy. I'm just not cool enough, so I had to wear it inside out. So, but you'll, uh, I'll be sporting the Batman mask after we get done with the sermon. So, uh, hope you guys are doing well. We're glad you guys are with us. Uh, again, my name is Tom Wilson, the senior pastor. I want to welcome everybody at home watching. We're so glad you guys would log into us and spend Sunday morning or the podcast or whenever you're watching this. We're just glad you guys are with us. I want to start by asking you a question, and that question is this. What is the one thing that you can give God that he truly desires? And you may say, well, maybe it's my life. And you would be right. Absolutely, you'd be right. I mean, he he wants your life. He wants everything about you. And that would be part of it. And you may say, well, he wants my heart. You know, when, when you were younger, we used to say those prayers, you know, invite Jesus into your heart. And yes, absolutely, he wants your heart. And he wants your devotion. And he wants your commitment. And he wants your heart and your mind and your soul. But all of that can be summed up in one word. And that word is actually in the title of our series. It's, it's this word, worship. And what we're going to be doing today is starting a new series. It's only going to be two weeks long. We're going to do a, a bit of an abbreviated series because we're going to do a longer series after this that I'm super excited about. But it really felt like a good time to talk about worship. And so if you guys are with me this morning, I want you to open your Bibles to the book of John is where we're going to start. I want to remind you, it will be on the screen. It'll be on your screen at home as well. Um, also, it's in the talk notes if you guys have those. If you're watching from home, you can click right to the right of the uh, screen, I guess, the image. It'll be right there for sermon notes. If you guys are in the room, you guys can go to our Facebook page or to our website and get the sermon notes, but I'm going to warn you, you want to make sure you don't push play because you'll start watching the video out loud while I'm talking. It's just a weird for everybody, so don't be that person, okay? Uh, But we invite you guys to check out the sermon notes. So I want to see in this, this book of John, chapter 4, verse 23, it's interesting that the word that is used to talk about worship, and that word is this. It says, Jesus is talking. He says, he says the time is coming. Now, what has just happened is he's just left, or he's actually talking to the woman at the well. Now, what we know about that situation is Jesus went out of his way to go impact and talk to a woman that was really an outcast in their culture, and he showed love and grace to her. And as they're talking, look what he says. He says, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now, he says. And then look at this, when true worshipers, now we have to assume if there's true worship, then there also must be false worship and false worshipers. And what Jesus says is the time is coming 
when there will be true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. So what we're doing right now is, is worship. What we just finished is worship. What we're doing in a little bit is worship. But I think a lot of times we muddy the waters on what we think worship is and what worship isn't. And I will tell you, this has been a very unusual year for any church in America to try to do worship with their congregation, at least, at least corporately, you know. Um, in fact, we've been blessed to be able to kind of move our the bulk of our ministry online. And what that has done for us is invited really our entire church body or those who at least have internet and a screen or a smart device or a laptop or any kind of thing to be able to, to join with us. And so right now, as great as this is in this room, there are those who are watching from other continents and other states uh, who are currently also worshiping the Lord with us. And I will tell you, back in March, <clears throat> when we got the word that we had to basically close the doors of the church building and, and no longer have worship in the building, uh, that created all kinds of unique challenges. And luckily, we had some great volunteers to kind of think through things and work things out. But I will tell you, in less than a week, we had to go from basically regular church to church off-site. And if you guys have uh, logged on or checked back back in those March sermons, or if you were with us back then, you know it was weird. I mean, here I am. I'm preaching from my barn, and I had a workbench here, uh, had a laptop and an iPad, and <clears throat> I didn't even have a sound crew. I had my son, who's now off at college, and he had, uh, you know, actually he had his uh, computer there. And then the way we did it is he had in one earbud so he could hear someone on the other side who was controlling a computer in Plano. And then he had this ear open so he could listen to me. And there wasn't any countdowns or fanciness. He was literally going, and then I would just magically start talking to, I called this little Coke can, this little Coke can. That, that's, and I didn't get to participate in, in the music side of worship at all. I was literally just kind of sitting there doing my own thing. And then I hear this, and you're about to go on. And, and hey, Katie Rose just made a comment. And, hey, they finished the song number two. And then, okay, you're on. And I'm like, do you know how hard it is to bring energy to an empty barn when you're there with your teenage son? And the moment you start, he's like, back to Farmville. You know, he's doing his thing. It's like... <laughs> And all you can do is just hope and pray it's broadcasting out, and yet somehow we're still able to worship. And if you remember back then, it was me from my barn with my son. Our entire tech crew really was in Plano at someone's house. Then we had PJ in his living room with his guitar, and what he would do is he would lead worship, and then he would have two vocalists from their homes who, if you can imagine this, they had to opposite of each other, they would play the song, she'd sing a version, she'd sing a version, and then bring it all together to make the worship happen. It was, it was nuts. And yet somehow, we worshiped, right? It, it worked. We, we did it. And so I guess my question is, because of right now you've got to realize there's a lot of churches, even in our direct area, that aren't meeting yet in person. And if they don't have the ability to do what we're doing online, they're basically shut down. I remember years ago, it's probably been a decade or so, that we had such a bad ice storm that we did something that we had never done before. And we had to say, we're not having church Sunday. We're, we just can't. It's too dangerous. We're just not having church. And there was no, hey, log on. It wasn't any of that. It was just flat out, well, I guess we'll try to see you next week. Hopefully the ice will go away, right? And unfortunately, there are churches that are just, they're done. And so if you can imagine for six months now, those churches are just, they, they may be having worship independently, but they're not having worship corporately. 
And so we've been blessed to be able to do that. But with all of that going on, I guess my question is, why is worship so important? That we would really bend over backwards, I would clean out my barn, I would actually make sure I'm wearing a night shirt from this side up, and then usually wear shorts and flip-flops down because you couldn't see it anyway. Why would I do that just to make sure that we were having worship? What I want to do in, in this week and next week is talk about the importance of worship, why we absolutely need to be worshiping, who deserves worship, and then next week we're going to dig into a really interesting topic on what a true worshiper is. And what Jesus says is that his heavenly Father, he seeks true worshipers. I think it's important that we ask the question, are we true worshipers? Are we truly worshiping God the way he wants us to worship him? And so if you're taking notes this morning, we're just going to jump right into this. Today's topic is why is worship so important? And, you know, that question, you could ask so many people and get so many different answers. Um, I'm going to go into two specific answers that I think are important for us to talk about right now. And then, of course, <laughs> if you want to email me your, your reason for worship, I totally get that because there are so many other ones. Um, if you're taking notes this morning, number one is so important that we understand this and we've got to acknowledge this. Number one is this, that there is an ongoing battle for your worship. Let me say that again. There is a battle currently waging right now for your worship. We don't really think about that. Now, we've been talking a lot lately, it just seems, talking about this enemy that we have in this world. And, you know, we're, we're not a church that just really harps on Satan all the time, but it's important when we're talking about marriage that we realize, you know what, we have an enemy out there. Right? Um, this particular uh, war started years and years ago. In fact, if you go all the way back in Scripture to the book of Isaiah, you're going to see where this war began. Um, if you know the story of Lucifer, um, it's interesting. Lucifer was actually known to be one of the most beautiful angels that there was. I mean, he was the most beautiful. And uh, this is really kind of, um, you know, we're talking about Lucifer, but this is a really cool thing to think about that most theologians believe that Lucifer's job while he was in heaven and before he went south um, was he was essentially the, the, the worship leader, that he would lead all of the angels in this incredible angelic worship to pay tribute and glory and honor to our heavenly father. I mean, I can't imagine how beautiful that's got to be. Well, the problem is, is, as Lucifer was doing this, Lucifer started to realize, hey, I'm pretty good at this, and hey, I'm really good at this, and I'm kind of get a bigger head and a bigger head and a bigger head. And what happened is his motives really began to change, and his heart began to get darker and darker and darker. And before long, he got very greedy. He said, I, I, I want to have what the Father is receiving because the Father is the recipient of all worship. And Lucifer thought, well, that, that should be me too. And so what he began to do is actually uh, turn people or turn angels, I guess you, against God. And so what God did was he actually had to cast Lucifer. And if you know the story, he cast Lucifer as well as a third of the angels who had fallen um, out of heaven to the earth. And they're here today as our, our spiritual enemies, what they are. So this story I'm going to read real quick. It's in Isaiah chapter 14, 13 through 14. Here's what it says. Uh, now, these are Satan's plans. Now, it's interesting as you start reading this, you're like, well, that sounds like God. Just, just listen. I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne. And look at this. Above the stars of God, I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zion. Now, look at this. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. Now that, that's God's spot, isn't it? And then look at what he says. I will make myself like the most 
high. He wants to take God's spot, if you will. In fact, the New Living Translation, the message translation words it this way. Listen to these words. I'll take over as king of the universe. And so, of course, God casts him out of heaven. Um, and all of a sudden, he's on earth and he has a new mission. Now, completely out of the box thinking here, but, but just ask yourself the question, hypothetically, if Satan had a mission statement, what would it be? Right? I mean, they're organized, the dark ones, if you will. Right? It's almost Halloween. You can kind of get creepy a little bit. Um, what, would, what would he be about? I believe Satan's purpose is to steal God's worship any way he can. He wants it for himself, but ultimately he wants to steal God's thunder. He wants to take it away from God. And if he can steal away God's worship, then really he's kind of accomplished what he's wanting to do. And so this is going to sound crazy, um, but kind of what I want to talk about today is the fact that we shouldn't be worshiping the devil. Kind of out there, isn't it? And you're going, are we really talking about this in church, about I shouldn't worship Satan? Um, yeah, kind of, we are. Now, if you're here in person, or if you're here online watching, and you're saying, wait a minute, okay, listen, I, I might miss church once in a while, but I know I'm not worshiping Satan, right? I, I've got that, I could check that one off my list. I want us to realize that worship is a really interesting um, facet for what we do. And so we have to understand that, that the way we worship it actually gets very complex very quick. And what we have to realize is Satan is not stupid. Satan is very smart. He's very crafty. Remember, he fights very, very dirty. And I think Satan realizes he's not going to get anyone in this building worshiping Satan. Right? Is that fair to say? But what he does realize is if he can get you to worship something other than God, it's the same difference. He's one. He still stole the worship away from God. And so he is very crafty. He is very sneaky. Um, and he knows that what if he could just get us to worship anything other than God himself. And so one of the basic principles that you'll find in your notes, and this is so important we understand this, is that we absolutely are all, we all worship something. We're all worshipers at our core. Uh, so many in our culture, um, they worship different things. Now, I want to list some examples, but, but please hear me. In and of these se in themselves, these are not bad things. Uh, these are just examples. But when they take God's spot as number one in our lives, all of a sudden they become what Scripture says is false idols. So let me give you one example. Uh, one thing that people in this culture love to worship absolutely is our image. Think about that. Now, you may look at me and go, well, that guy's not too concerned about it. And you're right. I'm, I'm not really too big of a deal on that. But so many people are. Uh, countless hours we spend in gyms. Uh, how many people are so concerned with, with how, how the complexity of their, their skin and how it looks and getting their teeth whitened and making sure their hair is just right and uh, going out of their way to have, uh, you know, plastic surgery or Botox or whatever it might be just so we can get the perfect image so we can put it online and we look perfect and we're consumed by our image. What about this one? Th this might surprise you. Heck, it might even offend you a little bit. What about our children? Are, you, are we comparing worshiping Satan now to worshiping our children kind of as the same? Hear me out. We live in a culture where kids rule the roost. Amen? 
especially in this area. My goodness, drive through Frisco, drive through West Plano. Tell me kids don't matter around here. And I love kids, I love my kids, but we kind of live in this culture that all of a sudden, if you don't have your two-year-old son in a select soccer team who travels every weekend, all of a sudden you're failing as a parent. And we get so busy and so busy and so busy, and so we make sure they've got choir lessons and they've got voice lessons and they've got ballet and they've got recitals and they've got, and that's just the first kid. And then all of a sudden you have another kid and another kid and another kid, and before you're wrong, all we do is keep our kids going from point to point B. That's all we do. Like, we're just kid managers, and they're not even getting paid to do anything. We're just kind of doing it. And before long, what should just be you love your kids is all of a sudden you're kind of managing their life, and they're eight years old. Again, nothing wrong with children, obviously. It's a gift from God. But, but when our focus on our kids come before our focus on God, doesn't matter how good something is, it is taking God's spot. What about this one? Um, I'm assuming everyone in this room probably has one of these little creatures, uh, this awesome little smart device. Um, now, I'm not saying the phone itself is evil, but is it safe to say that we are tethered to these things? Don't do this now, but when you get home, later on, why don't you check how much usage you use in a week? If you don't know this, your phone will tell you this. It'll actually tell you flat out, hey, you've been on this phone for, you know, 17 hours this week. And I'm afraid to check what mine is, but it's not that much. But I'd love to see what my kids are, what my teenagers are. And all of a sudden, we realize that we can't do anything without this. And we're strapped to this thing. Uh, I, I know people who will flat out not go on a spiritual retreat because they can't leave this alone for three days. That's their excuse. Well, what is that? It's an addiction. Something now has taken the place of our time with God. Uh, what about this? If we're honest, there are those who say, well, hey, you know, I, I can't be really consistent with the church attendance and being there and focusing and spending time with the Lord because I just I got so much going on. And um, I'm not here to beat you down, but but this, this might surprise you. It, it, it surprises me, and it, and it just... It blows my mind that we've come to this point. But right now, in our culture, it is understood that if you attend church once a month, you are an active member of that church. Think about that for a minute. That you can go 12 times a year. Now, again, I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings or step on your toes. But, but all of a sudden, we ask the question, well, what's filling up our time? And yet it's safe to say that maybe you haven't missed a single episode of, you know, The Masked Singer or whatever that show is. Which, by the way, is one of the dumbest yet most fascinating shows I've ever seen, right? It's just, you're like, this is so stupid and I can't stop watching the show. It's like, we have to understand that, that absolutely we all worship something. And so I want to give us a, an easy working definition for worship. For the sake of this message, again, there's a lot of definitions. For the sake of this message, a simple definition, worship is giving worth or value to something above all else. In other words, if you have a number one spot in your life, whatever that is, is the ultimate, that's what you're worshiping, right? And so let's say you have your spouse up there and then God's somewhere down here. Well, well now you're worshiping a false idol. Are you calling my spouse a false idol? If you put him above God, yeah, Scripture calls him that, right? We have to understand that, that whatever's up here may not even be bad, 
But if Satan can convince us, hey, you don't got to worship, you know, the devil, but, but if you just don't worship God, that's eh, good enough for him. He's crafty and he's sneaky. And so as we're talking about worship, it's important that we understand that in the context, right, of that definition, we have to understand that we're all worshiping something all the time. Okay, so in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, kind of interesting what's going on here, um, speaking of a, a war for our worship. Um, and again, none of those things are, are bad in and of themselves, but in Exodus 20, verse 1, we see God beginning to give us the Ten Commandments. And before he gives us, you know, the do not murder, and before he gives us the do not commit adultery, and before he gives us the do not covet, all before those do nots, he gives us the most important. And you guys, you guys know, this is his basic Bible trivia. Yeah, I could get that one right. Look at what he says. Exodus 20, verse 1, he says, And God spoke all these words. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. So what have you done lately for me, God? Well, well he, he saved you from slavery. And he's like, well, this doesn't relate to me. Absolutely it does. If you are a Christ follower and you've given your life to Christ, what has he saved you from? Being enslaved by sin. Absolutely, this is absolutely our story. He says right there, you shall have no other gods before me. Notice the lowercase g. We learned this a few weeks ago that anytime you're reading scripture and it has a lowercase g, that's a fake God. That's not the one true God. He's always a capital G. Okay, so this is a fake God. And then look, look what it says in verse 4. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything. Anything. And then he just lists it out very clearly. Look what he says. In heaven above or on earth beneath or, or even the waters. So if you think, well, if, can I dive down deep? In, no, no, nowhere, right? You cannot nowhere have anything. He says, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. And then this, this is such an interesting word. Look what he says. For I, the Lord, your God, I am a jealous God. Does that strike anybody else as weird? Jealousy to me has always been a negative trait, right? I mean, jealousy is, I mean, even one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet, which means don't be jealous and don't want that's not yours. And yet God's saying, I'm a jealous God. And we know what jealousy is, right? So when I was a kid, about 10 years old, my brother is only 15 months older than I am. So we're, we're very close to age. And when I was 10, he was 11. We both wanted BB guns for Christmas. And so this was in the late 80s, and, you know, they weren't these uh, little lame pea shooters. They had these sweet, gnarly-looking guns that were like, wow, and yet they were just, you know, BB guns. And uh, shout out to how old I am. This was back before you had to have the big orange barrel on the end, so you could really live like you were that action star, right? So Christmas morning, my brother's opening up his first and he opens up this incredible, it looks like a machine gun. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. And so he opens it up. And, of course, he's excited, grinning from ear to ear. Okay, Tommy, that's what my family called me. Okay, Tommy, it's your turn. So I'm, I'm opening it up. And, and I realize immediately it's not as big. It's not black like his is. I'm opening it up. And it's like, it's a BB gun. But it's like, it, it, remember those Daisy BB guns? Like the chick, chick, pew, chick. But it was like the knockoff version, right? Not even the real Daisy. And I get down to this BB gun, and, and I'm sure my look just said it all. 
right? Because my brother's over here like Rambo, and I'm like Gomer Pyle. I'm like, I look hideous. And, like, and I just, I looked, and you guys don't know who Gomer Pyle is, do you? That's a terrible illustration. Like, who's Gomer Pyle? You know who Rambo is? This whole culture's going to, no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's not like an old man up here. Uh, so I, I, I was very jealous to a point where my dad actually came over that afternoon and said, hey, seemed like you like your brother's gun better. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's got a nice one. And he's like, well, how about we go get you the same one? Okay. Like, that's what jealousy is. Jealousy is, I want that, right? I, I want that, and I got this. And that trait is speaking of our Heavenly Father. And, and Father says, I am a jealous God. That, that strikes me. That gets me. In fact, a different translation, the Living Bible, words it this way. Here's what it says. I will not share your affection with any other God. Lowercase g. God says, I, I, I won't do it. So what could that false worship, that worshiping a false idol possibly look like? Well, maybe it comes in, in the form of your career. You say, could I really worship my career more than God? Man, people do it every day in America. We're going to climb that ladder. We're going to get to the top. We're going to achieve. We're going to achieve. We're going to achieve. And it doesn't matter. I'm just going to push God off to the side. Someday I'm going to retire. I'll probably move to Branson, and then I'll go to church, right? Uh, what's going on there? We, we've, we've taken God out of his rightful place in number one, and we're going after something different. All along, we've forgotten that God is the one who sets our path, and he's the one who guides us and directs us. Maybe, maybe it's the false idol of money. How many people are consumed with just making it and making it and making it, and they want to have that huge nest egg so they can retire at 40 years old and just kick back and live free the rest of their life? There's a problem with that analogy because as a Christ follower, you're never done working, not serving the Lord. Uh, what about this one? What about hobbies? That, that's got to be one of the biggest ones to me. You ever seen how crazy busy a golf course is on Sunday mornings? And I'm not assuming they all don't go to church somewhere, but, but you and I both know that Sunday used to be, a, shall I say, a sacred day. Now it's just a day, right? All of a sudden, these false idols are creeping in. Um, you know, I, I feel it, it's only fair, uh, honestly, that if I'm going to ask you these tough questions that I kind of ask them to myself. And I've spent some time this week asking the question, what, what is my biggest false idol? Like, what is my biggest competition to, to push me away from spending time with my heavenly father and for me it's it's busyness that, that's what it is for me maybe you can relate to that I, I can basically work myself right out of worship time I can and if I'm not careful I, I can get up in the morning and I can go 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 and the next day go 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 and next day go 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 and to just kind of forget that I have a heavenly father saying I want that and what that scripture tells me is he's saying, I'm jealous of that. That means I'm jealous of you spending time with whatever you're doing, and here I am. See, that's the jealousy that our Heavenly Father has when we, we don't put him at the rightful spot. And so worship is so much more. We, we've talked, it's so much more than just singing songs at church. And so my question for you this morning is simply this. What's yours? When it comes to the false idol in your life, maybe it's com comfort, maybe it's technology, maybe it's Netflix, I, I don't know. 
but a false idol can come in any shape, any size. It can mask itself because we've got to realize if Satan can just get us off our game where we're no longer worshiping our Heavenly Father, he's won. That's all he wants to do. See, you may say, well, I, I am not worshiping the devil. You don't have to worship the devil. You just don't got to worship God. And yet, you've robbed him of his worship. Interesting enough, so we're asking the question, why is worship so important? Number one, there is a war being waged, and we've got to realize that. You're going to worship something, and that leads to number two, and that is this. You were made to worship. I mean, literally, you were created to be a being that worships, right? I mean, you were made in the image of God, and why were you made? So someone would be there to love on God and give worship to God. And so we have to realize if we're not careful, because we're created to worship, we will worship something no matter what. You, you're going to be worshiping something in your life. The question is going to be worshiping God. And so we've got to realize it's, it's so much bigger, so much bigger than just songs. Worship is really our life. In fact, Luke 19, 38 through 40, this is known as the triumphal entry. And if you know what's going on here, this would be closer to Easter time. And Jesus is, is riding in on a donkey. And all of a sudden, all the people in the town of Jerusalem they're cheering and they're going nuts and saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And they're actually taking off their jackets and their cloaks and their robes and they're laying them down and, and they're kind of making this path. And the donkey's coming in, walking over them. And then they've just seen all these incredible miracles. And so what are they doing? They just start worshiping. I mean, they are worshiping like nobody's business. And, and yet the, the religious people, you know, dare I say some of the church folk, if you will, they are annoyed beyond belief. So look at the story with me. This is in Luke 19, starting in 38. Here's what they're singing out. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. If you've ever been to an Easter pageant or an Easter cantata or an Easter, you've heard this song, right? I mean, blessed is he, and they're like tambourines, and this, this is that song. It's straight out of Scripture, right? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they go, Savannah, Savannah. Okay, wait. Watch the movie. It's really good. Okay. Uh, then it says, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, they're going nuts, this crowd is. Here's the Pharisees. Look what they say. Some of the Pharisees, uh, these are the religious folks, and they said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. In other words, shut these people up. Now, that's really what they're saying. This is getting really annoying. All the worship going on. I mean, just, enough is enough, right? And then, man, you got to love what Jesus says. He says, I tell you this, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, that's powerful to me. This is such an incredible moment in history. When you look at Scripture, we're talking from Genesis all the way up to the cross. It all points to Jesus. It all points to Jesus dying on the cross. It's all a love story to get you back in relationship with God. It's all an incredible account for God to take care as a rescue mission to remove sin from our lives. And all of a sudden, here is the beginning steps. And these cloaks are going down. And here comes the king on his rightful place on the back of a donkey, not as a warrior, but as a king, and he's coming in, and, and all of history and all of the world's going, this is it, and they're screaming, and the Pharisees are going, would you just shut those people up? And Jesus goes, you don't, you don't get it. If they are quiet, the rocks are going to go out going nuts, screaming, because this is a worshipful moment, and he is worthy of our praise. 
In fact, another translation, here's what it says. Such an amazing time. If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would just burst into cheers. See, God's going to get his worship one way or another. He wants it from us because that's who we are. We're created to worship him with everything in us. And we've got to realize this is so much bigger than what's going on right now in this room. I mean, yes, this is worship, but this is part of worship. What you guys are doing right home on your TV screens or your laptops or your iPads, sitting in your bed or wherever you are, that's worship. But it's so much bigger than this. Worship should be an expression of every area of our life. And so I guess what I want to do is I'm going to kind of turn a little bit in the message and ask this question. What we're doing here and what you're doing there, what are we trying to accomplish? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why am I here? I come to church and, yeah, I, I go for friends, but let's be honest, right now with social distancing, you people are still coming, and we're glad. I'm glad you're here, but why are you here? What is it we're trying to accomplish as a ministry when we come into this room and when you log on or when you listen to a podcast, you know, days or hours or weeks later? What are we trying to accomplish? To help you understand that, let me, let me kind of share a, a story with you. When I first started going to church, I, I, I wasn't raised in church. I was mm, maybe, I guess, freshman and a half, right? I was like 15-ish age when I went to, to church for the first time. Thought it was weird, thought it was hokey, hated the songs. It's just the message I didn't get. But I liked the kids in the youth group, and I didn't really have much of a family. So I was like, man, that, that's where I clung to. So flash forward a year, okay? Um, I'm very much into uh, the youth ministry. By this time, I've gotten baptized. I'll be honest, didn't know what it was at the time, but I, I did go into the magic water. So I was like, hey, okay, I did what you want me to do, and I just, just kept riding this thing, right? And I was in youth group at a time when the youth choir and youth drama team were a big ministry, big, big ministry. And so our little church of West Amarillo Christian Church, we had a new worship guy. Um, and it, it makes me appreciate PJ so much more um, every time I think of this story. Because he started this youth choir we were going to do a play. Um, we did a play with Michael W. Smith. You guys remember who that was? He's still around, but he was big, big, big back when I was in high school. Um, he had a, a play that he wrote for all the churches to do with their teenagers. And this play was actually, it was called The Hand of Providence. Not a kid in that group had a clue what that was talking about. And we actually sang a song called The Hand of Providence. Again, not a clue, but we're singing a song, and, and we, we really kind of learned what it meant to be a performer and then having people in the audience, your parents and whoever's coming to watch you. And to really, to give you kind of a, a behind the scenes, this is how bad it was. I got my first and only solo because I was there. There was no tryouts. It was just, you get a solo, Tom, like, Okay, I get a solo, right? Uh, and then when it came time for costumes, because, again, this was just such a cheesy time. And, 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 so the guy who was leading, great guy, nice guy, super good guy, he had the idea that we were going to make our own jams. Now, do you remember what jams were? Those were the brightly obnoxious shorts that go to here. 
like the kind of like Bermuda, like Hawaiian, think of Hawaiian shirt shorts, okay? But you made them yourself. But we didn't do pants. We took them all the way down. We didn't we did all the way down, like kind of like MC Hammer style, introduced that in like a Hawaiian shirt. It was hideous, okay? So we had these purple and black pants and bright fluorescent pink shirts. So I understand what it means to be a performer. And that was the last solo I've ever done, okay? So we get up on the stage and, and we're singing. And, and if you've ever been in a role where you're singing or you're performing and you're doing entertainment, then you understand that you are the performer and everyone sitting out here or this time watching online, you're the audience. And, and we experience this format all the time, right? We go to concerts and what happens? They're on the stage. You're not participating. They're on the stage, and you're sitting in your show. Maybe you're getting up and cheering, you're singing, but, but you're not mic'd up or anything. Or let's say you go to a football game. Right now they're all empty stadiums, but you can remember back, right? You go to a football game, there's an incredible game going on the field, and you're in the stands, and you can cheer, you can get excited, but you're, you're not participating, right? I remember when I got to go to my baby girl's uh, ballet recital. And I'm sitting out, and the crowd is just beaming, and there's my little girl. Like, I wasn't participating. I was just the audience. This is how we're used to this in our culture. Here's the thing about worship that we have to understand. If we're going to really get worship, we need to blow up that paradigm. We need to just get rid of it completely because it's completely wrong when it comes to worship. Think about this. We come into church. You guys are all sitting in rows facing the stage. We just had music up here. They were performing, and you're out there as the audience. That's not worship. Please hear me. Okay, you might want to write this down because this is so absolutely key when it comes to this. We are the worshipers, and we worship an audience of one. Now, Technically, you could say worship the audience of three if you wanted to say the Holy Spirit and Jesus, but you know what I'm saying. We come in here to give worship. We don't come in here to get anything. Now, you're going to receive, right? You're going to receive from the lesson. You're going to receive from the worship. You're going to receive from the body of Christ just because it's the Holy Spirit working. But we come. Why are we so, what are we trying to accomplish here on a Sunday morning? We are here to give our worship to our Heavenly Father. He, he is the audience, and, and we're not, I hate to use the word performer, we're the worshipers, right? We're here to worship Him because He is worthy. That's the way it is supposed to be. Now, if you get that in your mind and you really understand that, then you can really think about how absurd it is to say things like, I don't really like the music at that church. It's not about you. It's, it's not for you. Or we say, man, I wish they had more hymns and, and less contemporary or more contemporary and less hymns. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. You're not the audience. You're in the cast. You're, you're here to worship and give worship to our Heavenly Father. You're not here to nitpick. and blah, blah, blah. No, no, we're not the judge of that. Our Heavenly Father is. And He desires true worshipers. Uh, one more thing, worship is our response to who God is and what he's done for us. 
So we come together and we gather together. And this is what I love about globally the church. There are churches that sing with no music. There are churches who sing only a cappella. There are some. There are cappella. There are some who have you know big organ. There are some that are flat out rock concerts. And people say, "Why? Well, that's horrible." It doesn't matter. This is not your worship. This is his worship. And as long as it's genuine and it's real and it's true, and you're reflecting on who God is. And what he's done for you. I want to begin to end with this verse. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. It's the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So let's push pause for a minute. In view of God's mercy. In other words, because of what he's done for you. Because of who God is and how he's worked in your life. Just, just that right there. Because of who he is and who he's worked in your life in view of God's mercy. The song we sang before we came up here, there's one line I want to share with you guys. Here's what it says. There's not a place that your mercy and grace won't find me again. So when you sing that, we are singing that to our Heavenly Father. As the worshiper giving him our worship because no one else is worthy of that worship. And it's not just a song, it's our life. And if you've received God's grace and you have something to absolutely be singing to him and worshiping for, the rest of that verse, Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Look at this. This is your true and proper worship. Why do we worship? Well, there's a battle raging right now for our worship. And the only one worthy of it is our Heavenly Father. And we are created absolutely to worship. So what we're going to do now is we're going to give you a moment to reflect. In fact, I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come back up. Um, what we're going to be doing is we're going to take communion in just a moment. And what communion really is, uh, if you step back, I mentioned the triumphal entry. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. What he was doing, I mean, if, if you really step back and look at this, what he was doing was he was coming in as a king to give his life. In view of God's mercy, right, in view of what he's done for us, he sacrificed himself on the cross. And what he does uh, in that upper room with, with his Christ followers, with his disciples, with, with those that are like us. And these are people, they don't have it all together. They're, they're just trying to figure out who Jesus is and take care of their families and, and love one another. And they mess up all the time. And Jesus says, listen, listen, I, I want you to think about this and remember this every time you come together. We call it communion. It's called Holy Communion. We're coming together to remember in view of God's mercy. Wow, what a great message from Pastor Tom Wilson. And hey, if anything stood out to you today in Tom's message, we want to hear about it. Email our podcast at podcast at re.church and Katie Rose and I will talk about it on our discussions episode this Thursday. Thank you so much for tuning into the Reclamation Church podcast, guys. We look forward to hearing from you guys. We look forward to seeing you guys in service if you're going to join us on Sundays at 1030. Uh, join us on Thursday, this Thursday, for our discussions episode uh, where we talk about our new series, True 
worship. That being said, guys, you guys have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on Thursday.